Jesus Christ, our living hope. Amen? Can we just give God's name some glory for being a living hope in and over our lives? Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us uh, into God's presence uh, this morning. Uh, I want to say, uh, y'all are making me feel so welcome. I am so thankful and grateful to this Crown community uh, and what God has been doing uh, so far. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, And thank you for those who have been engaging uh, with me in other places and spaces. Uh, Even through uh, social media, you pushed me. uh, And uh, uh, Brother Tanner and I were out there this morning at 6.38 running in this winter cold, but I made it, amen, and uh, engaging with your president, uh, throwing axes, right? Yes, it it, it has been a joy, and I'm just enjoying uh, myself, and so thank you uh, for your warmth as well as your hospitality uh, towards me uh, during this time together. I I believe that God wants to speak uh, once again to our hearts and minds uh, this morning. Uh, and, and I want to share with us, in, as we continue on in this theme and idea and understanding of messy spirituality, uh, concerning uh, this idea that it's okay that you're odd. It's okay that you're odd. And that God uses those odd places and spaces, those things that make you unique, those idiosyncrasies and those things that other folks say, that's so weird and that's so strange. But that's God's finger continuing to mold and shape you for his purposes. If you have your Bibles, you can track with me just for a few moments on this morning. We'll be looking in Matthew, the 11th chapter. Matthew, the 11th chapter. There in the first verse, and, and Jesus is uh, having a conversation uh, with his disciples about somebody in the text of Scripture uh, who I think personifies what it means to be odd. His name is John the Baptist. And in Matthew, the 11th chapter, in verse number one, uh, the text of Scripture reads for us in this way uh, After Jesus had finished instruction, instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and to preach in the towns of Galilee. Verse 2, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy have been cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And the disciple, as the, John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd and say about John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. Won't you pray with me? God, we thank you for this time together. I pray that the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our hearts 
Be acceptable in thy sight, God, our strength and our redeemer. Give us ears to hear, minds to comprehend, hearts to receive. And God, give us the zealousness of life, not just to hear your word, but to live it out each and every day. We'll be careful to give your name the glory, the honor, the adoration, the thanksgiving, and the praise. We ask these things now in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everybody who loves God said, amen. Uh, I saw several weeks ago a meme on social media. And, and, it, and it started this way. I, I don't know how many, I'm dating myself already, but I don't know how many people played Tetris. Maybe you're able to, to, to see it on Nintendo Switch or something like that uh, nowadays, but I, I grew up with Tetris. And, and someone put a, a meme on social media, uh, which was kind of a rebuke to Tetris. And I said, hold on, wait, wait a minute, don't come for Tetris like that. But, but, but it, it was profound to me because it said this. It said, Tetris taught me that when you fit in, you disappear. And I like to suggest even in this moment that sometimes we, especially in this time in our development, want to fit into those spaces where we're accepted, where we can do what everybody else does and affirm what everyone else affirms. And many a times what's odd and strange is not necessarily affirmed. Uh, we, we, we look at our differences and we look at our oddity and we look at how our, our mouths may be shaped or we may look at our size or we, we may look at our background or we may look at how we pronounce certain words or we may look at why we're gifted at certain things and not gifted in other areas and we may have a desire to fit in and just be like every body else. But I like to suggest that sameness is the cemetery where we bury our distinctiveness. And God has not called us to bury who we are, but to live in the fullness of who he has created us to be. As Christians, we have an identity, a unique identity, uh, uh, it is Stanley Hauerwatz in his work uh, that he calls us resident aliens. That, that, that this is not our final destination. This is not our home. We are the odd ones. We are the strange ones. We are the misfits and sometimes uh, even uh, the outsiders. But I'd like to suggest this morning that maybe our oddness is a gift from God. Uh, that, that maybe in the midst of this... Uh, God is calling us to step out of what is conventional towards what is unconventional and causing us to be countercultural concerning who we are. To walk in the midst of who God has created you to be without being fearful or not being embarrassed, not being ashamed, but you ought to put aside or order scripture when anybody tries to come at you and declare according to 1 Peter, the second chapter, that you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, that you are a holy nation, that you are God's special possession, that you may declare his praises who has called you out of darkness darkness into his marvelous light. As we look at this passage this morning, we, we, we find, I would suggest, maybe one of the oddest people in the text of Scripture, John the Baptist. Uh, he, he, he comes from a profound and uh, poignant lineage of priests. Now, not only is his father 
Zechariah, a, a priest who has gone before God and gone into the temple, but we also find that his mother, Elizabeth, uh, comes from the priestly lineage of Aaron, and so it was an expectation that, of course, uh, if, your, if your mama comes from a priest and your daddy comes from a priest, that you're, you're going to be a priest, and so it was lined up perfectly. Uh, he had a priestly uh, pedigree and perspective concerning his life, uh, but yet in the midst of this, God calls him out of the ordinary into something that's different and strange. John John lives a rugged life in the mountainous area of Judea, uh, between the city of Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. He loves hanging out in uh, the wilderness places. He he has these worn out clothes that are made out of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. His diet, this brother's diet, It's locusts and wild honey. He lived a simple life and focused on the work of the kingdom. Uh, But there in the midst of this, God was setting him up in the midst of his oddness to prepare the people for the greatest gift that humanity could ever imagine, Jesus the Christ. Here in the midst of his oddness, I believe God is teaching us some lessons concerning ourselves. Uh, And I know this one may be a little bit controversial and even push back against some of our thinking, but but sometimes odd people can be unbalanced. Now, now when I say that word, uh, those psychology majors, your your ears go up and and you're saying that that doesn't sound right. Uh, Because balanced within our American culture, the word balance uh, is uh, uh, seen as a nice American cultural value. We, We love things that are balanced. Balance is a condition of neutrality in which the middle is considered desirable and healthy. Balance describes a person who moderates all aspects of their life and defines the perfect mix of things. Balance almost sounds like a Christian virtue. But but I like to suggest maybe we need to beware of being balanced when it comes to the things of God. That God doesn't call us to a moderated position. God does not call us to a place of neutrality. Uh, Here we find that that balance can be disguised as normal and sensible, but it can be slightly destructive, crushing the unbalance of giftedness, taming the extreme passions that Christ has for us, and soothing the raging fire of God's Spirit that bursts forth a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Here, here, here. Let, me, let, me, let me make my case because I know I'm still not convincing some of you. Uh, I, I like to suggest that, that Jesus wasn't always balanced. He entered into unbalanced moments. Can I prove it to you? Uh, here it is. He, he had six days of the week uh, where he could heal anybody and not get anybody upset. But he intentionally was a habitual Sabbath breaker where he would heal people on a day that would upset the systems and the structures of the temple leaders and would allow the folks to say, what is going on in this moment? Jesus entered moments of being unbalanced when he would see people who were presenting themselves to be God-fearing, taking advantage of other individuals at the temple and saw them in the midst of this overcharging people for to get a connection to God 
God and he enters into the temple and turns over the tables. That doesn't seem that balanced. Here, here it is, a genuine faith in Jesus Christ calls for us not to be in the soggy center, but calls for us to radically step out and discern and defend who we are as the people of God. To declare that we're not going to say, I- I'm going to be synchronistic and say, or maybe a little bit of this religion and a little bit of this philosophy and a little bit of this religion and a little bit of this thought. But we are called, we are called uniquely to stand and declare that for Christ I live and for Christ I die. Those who we represent in the Alliance family who have served as missionaries were not always balanced. The balanced thing would be to do would to be have a, a, a medical practice here in the United States. The balanced thing to do would be to start businesses and to plant churches here, which is wonderful and great. But many of them took the step of sacrifice when people looked back at them and said, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your life? Why are you throwing this all away? And they're saying, in the midst of this as they stepped on ships and stepped on boats to sacrifice their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ that you may call it odd but I believe God is in the midst of it. God has not necessarily called us always to be in places where we can satisfy everybody but rather where the places where we can be pleasing towards the king. John was odd and unbalanced. He left his place of prestige and power in the temple to going into the wilderness. And and, and he wasn't just going there, but he had to go there. Because sometimes God calls us to make some radical moves. And the easy thing would be to stay right where you are, where it's comfortable. But I have a professor who likes to say it this way. Sometimes if you don't move when God tells you to move, your setting can suffocate you. Where you can get so used to what's around you, you never look at the potential and possibility that God has for you. And here we find John moves from the comfort of and the prestige of the temple into the wilderness. He was not afraid to be radical. He's not afraid of, to live radically before God. It is Craig Barnes, uh, the president of Princeton Theological Seminary, who says it this way. We desire the misery we do know as opposed to the mystery that we don't. And those are times where we're called to lean in to the unknown. And yes, it can be intimidating. And yes, it can be fearful. But yes, God is in the midst of it. I love this quote from Marianne Williamson there in New York City. She she says it this way. She says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us the most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Hear this. Your plain small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. 
You were meant to shine as children do. You were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within you. And it's not just within us, but within those who call themselves children of God. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. What is she trying to say? When you step up and say, I'm going to do what God has called me to do, despite being odd, despite being unique, despite my past and despite my issues, guess what? You start to inspire others around you to say, if he can do it and if she can do it, the same God that lives in them is present in me and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That we can enter into these moments. Here it is. Not, not only uh, are odd people called to be unbalanced, uh, but I also believe uh, that odd people expose the inconsistency in others. Here, here it is. John finds himself in prison. Uh, he, he was in prison. Uh, and you have to ask the question, why is he in prison? Uh, he's in prison because according to Mark, the sixth chapter, uh, that Herod, the king, had given an order that John was arrested and put in prison because John spoke out towards the king against how he was living and how he was handling certain things. And as a result of uh, John pointing out some of the inconsistencies in Herod's life, uh, he ends up in a place and a position of being imprisoned. I say this to say uh, that sometimes, even when you're stepping out on God's will and God's purpose, you won't necessarily find yourself in comfortable places. I, I know that goes against our American culture. I, I know that goes against uh, what we've heard growing up. If I just do the right things, if I say the right things, if I do what I'm supposed to do, then everything's going to be laid out and easy for me. But I would like to suggest sometimes when you're following God's will, you find yourself in problematic places. Some, some, sometimes God's will will lead you in some places where you say, God, are you really sure about this? God's will will lead you in some places where even your family members will look at you and say, are you sure? So here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do me a favor, not just for me, but for yourself. In the time that you are here this week, in the time that you're here at Crown College, cultivate hearing God's voice for yourself. So, so that you know without a shadow of a doubt what God has called you to do. Let me say it this way. Uh, when, when I entered into ministry and whenever I'm sharing with anyone who's going into ministry, I, I tell them, listen, make sure you hear and receive a call from God. Not, not from your pastor, not from your professor, not, not from your parents, not from other people who say you should go into ministry or you should do this, but rather hear it from God. And, and when you do hear it from God, write that thing out and write when you heard it from God. The reason I say that is because you will encounter moments in your life where you'll start to doubt the call of God concerning your life. 
when, when, when folks seem to lose their mind and the criticisms are coming at you and the pressure is around you and you feel like a failure and everything that you do, do seems to fail and everyone talks about you uh, and you it feel like just going into a ball and crawling up and saying, is this thing even worth it? You go back and say, uh, I'm going to get up, uh, dry my tears uh, and face the day, put one foot in front of the other. Why is that? Because I'm not doing this because someone else has called me. I'm not doing this because someone else recommended me. I'm not doing this because someone let, wrote a letter of reference for me. I am doing this because I've been called by God. It's in those moments that tension and pressure that we recognize God still works, that Sometimes people who are intimidated by you will try to eliminate you. Here, here we find John in a prison. But can I push and suggest we can reflect on this upon another brother who's in prison? Another brother who's in prison whose birthday we celebrate in a couple days. Uh, who was odd and unbalanced. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday we celebrate and honor on Monday, finds himself as a young preacher, 26 years old. They're called towards a community, 26 years old, called towards a community in the midst of, of the struggle towards justice. And as he finds himself in the midst of this, he finds himself locked up in prison by the state. And as he's locked up in prison by the state, he, he receives a, a letter from various pastors and leaders in that particular community of Birmingham. And as he receives this letter, they say, uh, you're making too much trouble. In, in the letter, they're saying, you're being unreasonable. In, in the letter, they're saying, you're rushing the process and you're being unbalanced. What's wrong with you? And in response to this letter from fellow, fellow pastors and clergy members, uh, Dr. King pens probably one of my favorite portions of literature other than the text of scripture, which is noted as his letter from, letter from Birmingham jail. And in the midst of this letter that he writes behind bars on pieces of toilet paper, he goes through a litany of philosophy, quoting Plato and Socrates and the text of Scripture. And one of my favorite lines in his letter, and if you have a chance this weekend, I encourage you to read through it. One of my favorite lines in the letter speaks to the reality of what we're facing even right now. He says, I'm calling the church not to be a thermometer that simply records the ideas and principles of popular opinion, but rather the church needs to stand as a thermostat that transforms the mores of society. We are not called to fit in and to be comfortable. We are called to allow the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. Here, here, we find in this passage that not, not only that odd people can be uh, in these places of being unbalanced, not only does odd people expose inconsistency in others, but we also see that odd people can be anointed for the assignment. That in your oddity, in the midst of your strangeness, God is doing something 
in the midst of you for the task he has assigned for you. And while others may think that you are strange, and others may think that it is weird, and others may think that you are unique, you ought to take and receive that and say, that's just my gifting from God. That God has called me despite all the things you may have thought disqualified me. I'm still able to be used by God. Here it is, John who is odd and John who is strange and John who is weird is seen as someone who is on the outside. But God, through his son Jesus Christ, declares that he sent a man named John who had came to witness and testify concerning the light so that all might believe he himself was not the light, but he came to give witness to the light. And here it is. We find that John, in the midst of his abnormality, is still used to assist God in the advancement of his kingdom. And who are you to disqualify yourself when God has anointed you for the assignment he has for you? Yeah, you with all of your strangeness. Yeah, you with all of your uniqueness. Yeah, you who everyone thinks is different. Yes, God has called you despite your messiness and despite your past and despite how others have said you don't qualify. God is still putting his hands on you and molding and shaping you for his kingdom. There's a story of an old proverb of a man who was, had two jars of water. And with the two jars of water, he would take the jars of water and, and he was journeying with the jars of water from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill. But the problem was one of the jars of water had a crack in it. The people said, listen, you, you, you need to throw away that jar. It has a crack in it and it's wasting water. Here he finds and recognizes as soon as he's about to throw away that broken piece of pottery and jar, he sees that as he's been making that journey up the hill every single day, water has been spilling out. But the water has been lifting up on the ground and causing flowers to flourish and growth to take place despite the cracking in the midst of it. And I'd like to suggest on this morning, despite the cracks that we may perceive that we have on the inside of us, God uses those broken places and spaces to be able to allow his spirit to fall out and to flourish in areas folks never thought could flourish. You think that it's strange that you're drawn towards this or drawn towards that, but maybe God is cultivating a ministry and a call in you to a place and to a people just like who you're able to communicate with. Who are you to count yourself out when God is still working in you? Here we find and see John who has been counted out. John who has been seen as odd. But now upon further review of him, we see he could have been a comfortable priest there in the temple but because God's hand was on him and he was obedient to the call of God, he's used and seen throughout the text of Scripture as a forebearer of what God was doing in his life. A forebearer of Jesus Christ coming into this world. 
I was watching uh, football uh, this past weekend. I think it was the national championship game uh, there, uh, seeing uh, Clemson beat up, beat up, beat up on Al Alabama. And, uh, and as I was watching the game, uh, I, I received a, a thought even in my mind. I was watching one of the plays, and as, as they were playing, uh, I saw one of the, 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 the football players catch a touchdown, uh, went into uh, the, the, to uh, uh, catch the ball, and when he caught the ball, he slid, and, and the, the, the referees came close, and they said, listen, uh, we, we, we looked at this play, and we say that this is not a touchdown. And so they, they went into the booth. They went into the booth to do a, a replay on this particular play to see what had happened and what had taken place. And, and, and they came out of uh, the replay booth and, and they said something that, that, that just stuck in my spirit and soul. And you've heard it said many times when they do these things. Uh, they said, upon further review, we're reversing the play on the field. Come here. I'd like to suggest in our lives, sometimes we've seen things that have been odd and strange, and we say it does not count and it does not matter, and we think that it's something that is a, a negative part of our lives. But I'm here today to say unto you that there is a review in the divine view box of our lives, and after the review, there's an understanding and recognition that upon further review, it's not over for you, but God. God's hand is still on your life. He's still working in those places and those spaces that you have counted out. And he's included you in for his kingdom. Won't we not stay in the place where it's comfortable and convenient, but rather walk into those odd spaces and say, despite being odd, despite my uniqueness, despite all those other factors, I'm still anointed by God for this task. Won't you stand with me even in this place today? I want to conclude this time, if you don't mind, just praying with and for you. For the boldness and the strength of radical believers that would say, despite what others have said and despite the messiness of my experience, that I walk in the fullness of who God has called me to be. God, I thank you for those who are gathered here. I thank you, oh God, that you have uniquely called and cultivated their lives. All those broken pieces and all those rough edges and all those points that we have thought as strange and unique God, you are working all of those things in the midst of their lives for the advancement of your kingdom. God, I pray for a holy boldness for your people that whenever field you've called them to step into, whether it be the medical field or the sports field or pastoral ministry or, or the sciences or teaching, wherever they have been called to God, they would be bold concerning who they are and whose they are. God, they would not see their odd places and spaces as those things that would distract or be negative towards them, but rather things that you have cultivated in them for the advancement of your kingdom. We thank you and honor you that we're able to participate in what you're doing in the midst of us. Continue allow your spirit to reign, rule, and abide with us now and forevermore. And we'll be careful to give your name the glory. 
the honor, the adoration, the thanksgiving and praise. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we declare, the people of God who believe and trust God said, amen, amen, and amen. Can we put our hands together for Jesus on today and for what he's doing in the midst of our lives? Look forward to seeing you tonight. Have a blessed, blessed day as you continue on to classes. God bless you.